Alright. We're going to see how, how the day goes. I'm going to not pay a whole lot of attention to notes today. Might be here 10 minutes, might be here 10 hours. Starting off in chapter 12 of Genesis, verse 1. It says, now the Lord, notice that it says, the Lord had said, something that had already taken place at this point in time, had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. And then God gives the promises that go with that. This is this is a grace covenant. Means that it's holy rest upon God. Simply Abraham believes God and responds to God in obedience because he believes God. <clears throat> the Lord said to a land. Notice how many times it says, I will. I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham, notice this is a response in faith. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So I studied this for the last couple of weeks, and... And trying to put something together, uh, really more than I was trying to put something together to speak. I was trying to get something out of it for me and praying my way through that. Um, it's like, Lord, you know, I, I, what causes a person, what would cause a person to leave their country, the place where they grew up, place where they were comfortable, place where they knew everybody, to, to leave from his family, all the people that he loved and wanted to be around, from his father's house, and, and to carry his wife and, and the ones who was his servants, to carry them into a place that he didn't even know, and to follow the Lord in that. You know, I sit here and think, have you ever had something happen in church that caused you to do something like that? You know, we read the Bible and we look at the, the stories and, and this is not a story of how great Abraham is. It's a story of God's grace, his divine intervention in a common person's life that was so powerful that it radically changed this person's life. It not only changed his life, but this is the, the beginning of the nation Israel that has changed the whole world. Everything in our world today still revolves around a little speck on the map because God said, I will. And so, so I was looking at that and thinking, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be like Nahor. You know who Nahor was? How many of you know who Nahor was? Raise your hand. You know why you don't know? And Nahor was Abraham's brother. He was the one that just went to church. He went to church. He lived in Ur. He did what everybody else did. You don't hear anything about him. I think there's going to be two groups of believers. And I'm talking about believers. There's going to be two groups of, belie- of believers on the day of judgment. Remember, you're, you're not being judged whether you're going to heaven or not. That's, that's up to your decision of what you do with, with the cross of Jesus Christ. But there's going to be a judgment on, on what we get for what we did for the Lord and how we brought God honor in our life. And I think there's going to be two groups. One's going to be the group of the Abrahams. That's the one who, who got stupid for Jesus, who believe, who actually believed God. You know, we just sang that song. We believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in, 
in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit that he's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. And as we were sitting there singing that song, I was thinking, do we really believe this? You know, as a church, as a whole, hopefully, I think everybody, probably not everybody, but most everybody here would say, yeah, I believe that. And I go, but I couldn't even hear you, and I'm 20 feet from you, and you probably couldn't hear me. Well, it's because, and here comes some excuses. I think it's time we get up off the excuses and go, do we believe? Do you really believe that Jesus suffered and died? I think we need to spend some time at the cross to stand there and go, what does this mean to me? Because understand this, nobody would be in this room if it wasn't for the cross of Jesus Christ. You wouldn't come into the presence of the Lord. He'd strike you dead as he would me and rightfully so because I'm a wicked sinner in my heart. So when you stand before the cross and you see the sufferings of Jesus, you have to look at that and go, this was for me. He didn't gain anything from this. He didn't deserve it. He didn't have to do it. And because of this, not because, not because of one day I did this thing and I went through this process, not because my mom and dad raised me in church and I walked forward and I was baptized, but simply because of he suffered a miserable, wretched death and died. I can stand here today and go, I'm a child of God. I can come into God's presence. I can call you my family. And I have a life like I never dreamed of having because of Jesus. And yet, you know, you look at the groups and and back to my story. You're going to have those people like Abraham who's like, I refuse to settle for for just going through the motion. I refused for my life to be a list of excuses of why I never did. And then you got the group, this, this Nahor, you know. And some of those people are like, well, I'm just glad I made it to heaven. Really. I don't think you're going to be as glad as you think. Even though you're in heaven. When you stand before Jesus and go, I think it's going to be that group to go, eh, we didn't do anything. We lived the American dream. We asked God to bless us. We had all these great things and blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, and as I was reading that this week, I'll just kind of talk to you this morning. But as I was reading that this week, I thought, Lord, I don't want to be in the, in the group with Nahor. I don't want to just say, well, you know, I preached and I pastored a little church and, and I read my Bible and I prayed and tried to talk to some folk. I'm to a point in my life, whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes, I'll give up any and everything. I want to be like Abram. I want to be that person that I'm so overwhelmed. Ain't it funny how we sing the songs, but really, if you think about what you're singing in the presence of God, you're in the presence of God, Jesus, listening to your songs. When you sang this morning, you said, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed. Were you really overwhelmed? What is that overwhelming that you're singing and expressing that God? Can you imagine, and I'm not talking about our worship day, it has nothing to do with, with my message, but I just go, if you stood there before Jesus and you could see him in his glory, would you sing, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed by you? You can really... Overwhelmed means I can't contain this. I can't live a normal life. I can't live like Nahor. God, I can't settle. And even if I don't see, uh, God, even if I don't see you moving in my life, it's going to drive me crazy and I'm going to seek you until I see where you're at so that I can follow after you, so that I can be where you are, so that I can see you, so that I can know you, so I can be close to you. See, it's not about the mission. It's about the person. And so, when I looked at this and it said the Lord had said to Abram, <clears throat> you know, I thought, what caused a man to do something crazy like that? 
And when you run references in the Bible, you come up with Acts chapter 7 and verse 2. And, that, and you don't have to turn there, but in that story, there's, a, there's one of the first deacons of the, of the first church. His name was Stephen. And the Jews brought him before the council. And so Stephen was given his defense. And he started preaching or basically giving a witness of the history of Israel. And in that text, it says, The glory of the Lord appeared unto Abram while he was yet in Mesopotamia. It means that before before Genesis 12, 1, what had happened was Abram saw the glory of the Lord. Saw the glory of the Lord. And as I was looking at this week, you know, I thought, just about every person in the Bible that you see God use to do great things it started with seeing the glory of the Lord. You know, Moses out in the middle of a desert. He was there because he disobeyed God. He took things in his own hands. And the next thing you know, out there where he's at, listen to me, the Lord came to him. Just like he did grace, God comes to us. It's not about me coming to the Lord. It's about God loves me even when I disobey. Even when I'm out on the backside of the desert where God had to put me. The Lord met him there. And said the glory of the Lord appeared unto Moses in a burning bush. It's representing the cross of Jesus. And then you see Solomon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. Okay. And when he talked to him about it, he gave Solomon, he said, you know, Solomon, what do you want? You know the story, he asked for wisdom. And then the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the tabernacle at times. And one of my favorite stories in Exodus chapter 33 where Moses went up on the mountain and and the Lord passed by and he showed him his glory. But the awesome thing was when Moses came down off the mountain, the people were like, we've got to put a veil over his face. The glory of the Lord just shone about his face. They were like, cover him up. But but of all the stories that I started looking at through that, I thought, Lord, because here's my question. God, what is this glory? And where is it at today in the church as far as how, you know, can I see that? I don't, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't expect to, to see the Lord in a dream. I see crazy stuff in my dreams. I don't know about y'all, but I eat the wrong stuff or something. So I don't, I don't base a whole lot on, on my dreams. I can tell you that. And, and I don't expect that when I walk out of church today, he might, I don't know, but I don't expect to be a bush out here. We don't even have a bush, but I don't expect to see something burning on fire. And so I don't want to just tell you a story and I don't want just another Bible story in my life. Like, Lord, I want to know what you're speaking. To me in the New Testament today. And you know. As I, as I looked after that. You, you come down to God's greatest glory. Where he revealed his greatest glory in Jesus. And at the cross especially when you see. Jesus die on the cross for, your, for our sins. And at the, at the tomb when he rose again. No glory that Moses or Abram saw could, could possibly compare to that. Remember when the disciples and the women and everybody that saw the resurrection of Jesus, they didn't just go, awesome, let's go to church for 30 minutes and sing. It, it totally turned the, the direction of their lives. It changed everything that they lived for and were willing to die for. They were willing, it's something about seeing the glory of the Lord. That causes somebody to go, I'll give up everything because of that. And you know, and I was, I was looking at that and I have, man, and, and hopefully everybody, but most of you here in your life, I hope that you can look and go, I've seen the glory of the Lord. I want you to understand this is something that's personal to each one of you because everybody's got the knowledge of the cross. Probably everybody, this is not a new story to anybody in here that Jesus died for your sins, was buried and rose again. 
And a lot of people have the knowledge of it, but, but when he, but when it comes to Abram and he comes to Moses, it's something that's right there. And I can go back to a time in my life, several times, but especially in concerning meeting Jesus when he came and radically just grabbed hold of me. And I saw God's amazing love. And, and at that point, it, it made some changes in my life. And, and then since then, some things, but of here late, you know, I got to tell you this story and I'll get on with my message. But I was praying this week and I thought, Lord, you know, I'm in a place to where I feel like, you know, it, it talks about God called Abram out of Ur. That was his homeland. Ur means fire, fire of the Chaldeans is what Ur means, okay? It is an idolatrous place and, and they worshiped fire. You know, the Chaldeans was the one that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, okay? And that's where Abram lived. And, and for, and, and at this point, I want you to get this, at this point, when God called Abram, he had a choice. I didn't, wasn't going to force him. God said, come out and this is what I'm going to do. I will, I will, I will. And so he could have said, you know what, I want to stay in Ur. I think there are a lot of believers that are still in Ur. Because in America, what we want to do is we want to invite God to Ur. You know, God, this is my home, my life that you've given me. You know, I've got my house, I've got my cars, and I've got my career, and we've got our family, and we've got our things, and we've got our things we're involved in, Lord. We pray you would just come to Ur with us. That you would be with us in Ur. That you would bless us in Ur. God, that Ur would be our heaven on earth. But here's the problem with that. The Lord's plan wasn't in Ur. What God was going to do was over in Canaan. What God was going to do was going to take him away from home, away from familiar, away from comfort, away from family. And it was going to bring trials and tests and all kind of stuff into his life. But through all of that, God was like, but this is what I'm going to do. Because if you, if you study this, you realize what God is actually speaking here when he says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make your, your name great. He's not only speaking to Abram, but he's speaking to Jesus, who would be the seed of Abraham. God's plan was to bring Christ into the world so that he could die on the cross for mankind's sin and save us. And he's like, Abraham, I want you to be a part of my plan. You have to decide if you want to hang on to earth, if you want to hang on to comfort, if you want to hang on to all these things of earthly, temporary things, or you can follow me. Well, Lord, what's the plan? I'll show you. It's not about the plan. You gotta answer the question is, you've seen my glory. Am I willing for you to give up everything? Everything. Maybe we'll sit here and go, wow, that's a good story. Glad God don't ask me that. He doesn't? He doesn't? Let's get away from this junky, comfortable, gotta be careful what I say. Stuff that we've bought into. Well, God doesn't ask that. That was Abraham. No, 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 no. Because here's the story. In this account, Abraham makes a decision right there to go. Do I want to live for this world? Do I want to live for for what I can see? Do I want to live for what gives me security? Do I want to live for the reputation, the image, all that I have right here in earth? Or do I want to follow him to wherever it is he's going to carry me? Where I have to totally trust in him. Where my expectation is no longer of what I can produce, but what he's going to produce. 
Will he take care of me? Will he provide for me? Will he protect me and my family? Is the purpose of which he's calling me to do this, is it worth it? Is he worth it? Or do I want to stay? And I would have to probably say a majority of us, including me, we really want to stay right there in earth, don't we? Don't we? We want to make excuses. We want to justify it. Well, a person has to live. And I'm here, I'm not telling you this morning, let's go sell your house, leave your mom, dad. That's, that's not what I'm telling you. But what I am saying is, you can't live for this world like this world and have what God has for you. You can't do it. Abraham made a decision right there to go, I'm going to live for the heavenly. I'm going to live for what I can't see. I'm going to live for what God has for me. I want the life that he's going to bring to me. What does that consist of? He didn't know. We read the story. But at that point, he just had to go, I'm going to trust the Lord. Is that not what salvation is? How many of you have seen heaven? Ain't a person here. But you know what? If you're if you're a believer, what you're saying is, I'm not living for this world. There's no double. You know what we want to do is go, I want to live for the world, but I want to I want to go to heaven. The Lord's like, it don't work that way. It don't work that way. I don't care what you believe. We're saved holy by by grace through faith, and it still doesn't work that way. Well, I said the sinner's prayer. We'll find it in the Bible, and I'll, I'll be convinced, but it's not there. Faith without works is dead. That's in James chapter 2. And if the faith that you say you have doesn't cause you to follow, then you have a dead faith, not a living faith. Don't give a flip what you did on baptism, what church you joined, or how many times you've prayed. The life of Christ in me produces a spirit, the spirit of God in me that causes me to go, I yearn to know him. I yearn to know, that's biblical. And here's here's where I'm at on that. I want to see that in my life. And I know we have, we go through seasons to where we get caught up in earthly things. And we get caught up in worldly things. And we get caught up in things that consume us physically that we see. And most of us spend most of our time on these things. But my prayer is, God, I pray you would make us so discontent. I pray that we would be so empty, so hungry, so unsatisfied in that, that it causes me to go, God, I don't know what I need to quit, give up, leave, but Lord, if you will show it, remove it from my life, because this world is so, so empty. And most of us are looking for the life of Canaan in a dollar bill. That's what we're looking for. Or recognition, or a title, or a career, or another vacation, or a bigger house, or a fancier car, or more 401k. And that's not in the scripture. It's not in the scripture. I challenge every one of you this morning. I challenge your faith. I challenge my faith. If what we have doesn't match what the scripture teaches. I'm probably upset some of you and I ain't trying to upset you. But I do want to call us in the check. Of this easy believism. And we wonder why. Where's the God of the scripture? So I asked that question. I thought, Lord, what does it take to have a heart like that? What does it mean to see the glory of God? And I prayed that and I got frustrated if you want the truth. Walk outside, no burning bush. Go to sleep, crazy dreams. Look at God's word, read it before. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. God's so faithful in him. And maybe it's just, like I said, maybe it's just a personal thing. But uh, I woke up yesterday morning. I was talking to my wife. I said, man, I just, I'm in a place. I'm so, I can't do things. Y'all know, I've said it before. I just 
church as usual, ministry as usual. I can't do that. It, I think life God has given each one of us is so much more important than that. I don't know how you can buy into the American dream and, and just passive Christianity. How is it possible? How is it possible that any of us who truly say, I've seen Jesus. I've seen what he's done for me. It is a reality. It is a truth. I've been born again. I've got eternal life. I'm going to heaven when I die. I've got a purpose for which he created me here. I'm eternal. There are people around me that God wants to use me to tell about Jesus. He is so good. He is so amazing. How is it that we can put all of that aside to go, but boy, I really love this boat. Man, I just really want to invest my life in in something so that I can have a retirement. So when I get old, I can pay my doctor bills, drink my orange juice, and fall over stinking dead. And we have bought into that in this country, that it's all about that. Well, life is about, you know, you're born, you grow up, you get an education, you get a career, you make a bunch of money, you go on some awesome trips, and you fall over dead, and that was just, whoa, and along the way, you pray the sinner's prayer, and you're going to heaven. Did I just sum it up? Didn't I just sum it up if we want to be real? Come on. Let's go. I want to challenge that. God wants to challenge it. He's got more for you. It ain't about me. He's got more for you. It's not just about preaching or leaving and going to Africa. It's about what is God's kingdom purpose in your life here, where you're at. Why are you at this church? Why don't you hunger for God's word? Why don't you desire to see the glory of God in your life? Why don't you hunger to hear God's voice? Why is it that we can possibly contain the people in this building that should be screaming to the glory of God in worship? Well, I don't just do that. Well, start doing it. Do you love the Lord? Do you believe God's word? Quit making excuses like me. I'm not judging you. I'm judging myself. You this is pathetic. You know, if the church is pathetic, and here's where I'm at. For our visitors, I love this church. I believe this church is awesome. But I believe God's a whole lot more awesome than this church. And so when I say this, I know some vision will be like, boy, they're having problems. We're not having a problem one. The only problem we got is we ain't walking with Jesus like we could be. Right. We're holding on to Ur and stretching for Canaan. I think that's where a lot of us are. We're holding on to Ur and stretching for Canaan. You know, funny, and I'm almost done. Stay with me. But if you back up and read this, he told him to leave his daddy. Leave your family. He half-heartedly obeyed, and they left, and they went a little ways to a place called Haran. It was between Ur and Canaan. And the Lord said, I'll stop you right here. Until you do exactly what I say, you will stay right here. Y'all know where I'm going with this. How many of you started? Somewhere along the way, you got a burden in your life. You saw the glory of the Lord. You said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be that person, God. God's got a ministry for me. God's got a calling in my life. God's got something he wants me to do. I want to be the daddy that God's called me to be. I want to be the husband or the wife. I want to be the pastor or the missionary. I want to be the evangelist. I want to share the gospel. I want to change the world for Jesus. That's what I want. I want to know the Lord. I want to see the Lord. I want to speak and represent the Lord. And somewhere along the way, in a half-hearted obedience, we compromise and we land ourselves somewhere between Ur and Canaan. And we're like, what's going on? Anyhow, just to finish this up, this message might make no sense to you, but but I'll give you what God did for me. 
and you do what you want to. You know, the apostles said, we, we can only say what we have seen and heard. So I'm telling you what I've seen and heard. This changed my life this week. And if you think it's stupid, then go out to eat afterwards, talk about me, and get over it, all right? But, so anyhow, um, so I'm praying like, Lord, I've seen your glory. It's been a little while because of where I'm at, not because of God's not willing. Lord, what does it mean to see your glory? God, how can I see your glory? I'm always asking God. Cause I'm not going to settle for, well, that was then. God doesn't do that anymore. I'm like, God, you did it then. I think you'll do it now. I think you'll show me your glory. And so anyhow, some of y'all know I, I was going to show you a picture this morning. This is not about my family. So please don't, if you get that out of the message, you missed my whole point. So last night, I'm, I'm, and when I say I'm praying, I'm wrestling. I'm looking all week. I'm praying, God, I want to see your glory. I'd love to see your glory, God. It's like, Anyhow, I was talking to my wife yesterday, I was frustrated, like, you know, some of this Bible stuff, you know, I know y'all don't get there, but sometimes I do. Like, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see what it was that caused him to totally change, totally ready to give up everything. And so, last night, <clears throat> the boys and their band had a, a, uh, deal that they went over and played in ARP, town of 911 people. And it was a community deal where some of the churches come together and they was giving backpacks to the kids and, and, uh, they had several <laughs> singers and, and speakers. It was, the boys was actually supposed to play at eight o'clock. It started at six o'clock and, and it kind of went like the speakers who was going to speak five minutes did like me, you know, with 30, 35 minutes. So this thing starts to carry a long time and, and all of a sudden the crowd starts dwindling, dwindling. And it went from probably about 300 people down. They were going to play at eight o'clock at nine thirty-seven. They finally said, all right, we want you to get up here. And there was probably about 50 people, 50 people. Now, Looking at it from a physical standpoint, from a fleshly standpoint, you go, that's a whole lot of work, a whole lot of sitting, a whole lot of driving, a whole lot of setting up stuff for 50 people. And so I tried to encourage them. I'm like, you know what? Maybe the Lord moved the crowd out so the angels and Jesus could walk in. What if he did? How would you play then? How would you play then? And anyhow, we walked up and we sat in the stands with those 50 people. And the next thing you know, it starts raining. I'm like, man. So I prayed, my wife was praying, I was praying, God, God, you control the weather. You can stop this rain. You know, please, God. And anyhow, the, the rain stopped. Yeah, there in a minute. But the boys got up and I looked at their list of, of songs and the last one they was going to play, that's the one that Jeremy started with. He said, let's just cut to the chase and he played that song. I didn't know what he was going to do, but after that, he stopped, and it was lightly sprinkling at that time. He's like, that's all we're going to do tonight, and he shared the gospel, and while he was sharing the gospel, we were praying, and the rain kind of cut off, and, and Jeremy was like, all right, guys, let's, we'll, we'll load up, and, and Philip, his guitarist, looked at him. He just, I saw him kind of gig him, and he was playing a little bit. He's like, let's do this, and so Jeremy said, y'all, do y'all want to hang around? You know, it's 10 o'clock. Everybody's like, yeah. He said, why don't y'all just come out of the stands and come down here? So everybody kind of, it was awesome. Everybody kind of gathered up down there and, and, and I sat right down on the front of the track. It was in a football field and I sat down there. This story has a point. I'm almost done. You're fixing to get to the chicken place. And we were sitting there and I was kind of running, just going to video some stuff and, and they started playing. You'd have thought you was in a, and I'm not bragging, I'm a, Boys, I am pr- very proud of them. 
But they started singing like there was 10,000 people there. And I kind of looked at the crowd. People were worshiping. It was the presence of the Lord was so strong. And, and I was sitting there just, and actually I prayed, God, this is awesome, man. And about that time I looked up and, uh, Riker and Rhett, my little grandbabies, they walked up there with him and they reached down and I didn't know what to do. But both of them pulled out a guitar and they were standing there singing word for word, just sing to the Lord. And man, at that moment, God said, this is what my glory looks like. And that might be stupid to you. It wasn't as cute. It wasn't cute to me. That's the hand of God doing something that, that I can't produce and that he can't produce and Maddie can't produce. But that's the grace of God over a family that I would have destroyed. I would have destroyed my family. And God reminded me years ago that he intervened in that. And he's intervened so many times in my life. And it was like the Lord said, and he did say in my heart, and my spirit, God said, now would you follow me for that? I said, Lord, I will leave everything. I will give up everything in my life to know. To see my kids serving you, to know that you're going to save my grandchildren. They serve you in the next generation, in the next generation. And I had it said to me this week by a man. I don't know if he knows the Lord or not, but he's like, four generations from now, I want my name to be remembered. I said, four generations from now, I want four generations with Jesus in glory. That's what's important to me. And that's what I believe. And I prayed last night, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I don't care if I uh, uh, take take my stuff my place, money, job, anything you want, God. I just, I'm, I'm, I want to, I'm let go of her. I want to follow you. I want to serve you, God. I want to glorify you because He is so good. And don't sit here and tell me you haven't seen the glory of God in your life because if you are, you're, you're lying. God has shown every single person in this room. He's showed you grace. He's shown you goodness. He's shown you mercy time and time and time again. Sometimes we're just so blinded that we give glory to something else and our hearts are so hardened. And God's like, I love you. And when you stand before the Lord, if you missed it, listen to me. If you missed it, you missed it because you listened to the lie and you were blinded by your own worldly desires. Because God loves you. I don't care where you are right now. God loves you. And he tries time and time and time again to direct your attention to the cross to go. Can you tell me I didn't love you? If you stand in God's courtroom, God's going to say, can you tell me that I didn't love you? That I didn't reach out to you? That I didn't want to save you? That I didn't do everything that I could possibly do? And the Bible actually says, what else can he do? So here's my question. What is it in your life that's going to cause you to leave her? What is it in this world that you are so bound up by, clinging to, that the Lord's like, that's what you're trading. That's what you're holding. That's what's keeping you right here. Because the only thing that's going to change is when you let go. When you see God for who he is. You see the glory of God and go, I want more of that. That's what I desire more than anything. God's to see what you can do that's eternal in my life. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior... It's not about come to church, walk up here to the preacher and go through some empty junk. It's about 
looking at God's glory to go, he, he's done everything he can do to write me a personal note to go, I did everything so you could be forgiven. I did everything. And if you'll trust me, I will forgive you. I will give you life. I will give you hope. I will give you peace. I will give you purpose. And he will do everything that he promises. It's about knowing Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you have no life. I don't care if you're a billionaire. Whoop de stinking do. Because you know what? May your money bury with you because it's not going to give you life. And your name and your reputation and all the things that you're holding on to ain't going to give you life. It's going to take you straight to a devil's hell because you were deceived. God wants to save you, give you life, and it is good. All I can say is, and I'm praying for you, God, I pray you shake every person in this church. Shake loose everything that we're clinging to and start with me. Because I want to know, I want to know this God. I don't want to know an American idol God that we've made up. I want to know Jesus. And I want to follow him because I believe with all my heart he's worthy. Are you standing with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer.